Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. So we've been in a series of scarcity and generosity, um, and, and I know that um, Brian taught about more f- like the financial side, right, of generosity, and I believe Jackson last week taught about relationships um, and, and generosity and that, um, and the title of my message is Open Hands, um, and you're going to kind of see why as we, um, as we weave through, but mine is going to be um, all about that, all about just kind of a broad sweep of the generosity of our God, and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit at the beginning about the scarcity mindset and just the reality of it. I just want to kind of, um, I don't know, I just kind of want to, I want to, I want to empathize with some of us that maybe struggle with that. In fact, oh my goodness. I don't, like, I taught on suffering, right? And then this is on scarcity. So anytime, if you, if you think that maybe God is, like, calling you to teach or something like that, be ready that whatever you're teaching on, God's like, oh, I'm going to teach you a lot about that this week and the weeks as you're prepping. So anyway, so how many of you remember the pandemic and the toilet paper shortage? That was really weird. Like, I've never been scared of being out of toilet paper in my life, ever. I mean, I know that's probably first world. Like, I mean, I'm thankful that I've never been scared of being out of toilet paper. But, like, people were really panicking. Like, we'd go to the shelves and they would be, I mean, this would be a lucky shelf. Like, oh, yes, I scored. I could get some. Like, sometimes you'd go to the store and there would be nothing. And all of a sudden, what did you want to do? You wanted to grab every stinking toilet paper thing you could so that you would have enough, right? Because you were afraid there wouldn't be enough. And then we live in Florida, which is known for hurricanes, right? So same thing happens with hurricanes. We go and we look and like, where's the water? Where's the bread? Where's the, you know, the, where's the hurricane supplies? And we think, is there going to be enough for me? What if there's not enough for me? What if I'm stuck and I don't have what I need? Um, Tabitha Kirkland is a psychologist and associate teaching professor at the University of Washington's Department of Psychology. And she defines a scarcity mindset is when you believe that there are limited resources. So if someone else has something, you feel there is less of that resource available to you. Um, and that can really take a toll. That can really take a toll because it, I just want to, I just want to, affirm that that is a very real feeling of like, what if there's not enough for me? Um, Focusing on something you don't have can take a toll on your mental health, and you can get tunnel vision when you think about this as an unmet unmet need. Um, I found this chart, like an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, and you know, this was just, you know, as I was searching through, and you can kind of see the difference. So an abundance mindset or a generosity mindset would say there will always be more And a scarcity mindset would say there will never be enough. Abundant mindset collaborates with other people to stay on top. And the scarcity mindset competes to stay on top. Abundant mindset embraces change. And scarcity mindset fears change. Abundance mindset, that's hard to say, I'm not going to lie, shares knowledge freely. And the scarcity mindset won't share knowledge because they're afraid they won't, you know, they won't be able to get ahead. Um, abundance mindset is generous with others. A scarcity mindset won't offer help. An abundance mindset believes the pie is increasing, and a scarcity mindset believes the pie is shrinking. And the last one, abundance mindset thinks big and embraces risk, and scarcity mindset thinks small and avoids risk. So it's this feeling of, will there, will there be enough for me? Will there be enough for me? 
Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you grew up in a house where you heard no a lot for your needs or your wants. Um, maybe, you, maybe your family had limited resources and you, you couldn't go on that trip, that school trip, or you couldn't do the field trip like everybody else. Um, or maybe you, you, know, you, you couldn't get the things that you, that you really needed and wanted. Or maybe in COVID, maybe you lost your job or resources were limited um, and you never want that to happen again. So you kind of struggle with fear in that area. Um, the Cleveland Clinic says the term the scarcity mind the term scarcity mindset was actually originally coined to describe a specific type of anxiety and cognitive stress experienced by people whose incomes are below the federal poverty threshold. In a 2017 experiment, researchers found that the distress over not having enough money or resources to get by had a negative effect on people's mental state. But how? Well, ultimately, they suggested that someone's hyperfixation or worry over what they lack could lead to poor decision-making. And I actually read further, and it talked about how there was even a decrease in IQ because the basic needs weren't met. And so your body and your mind just instantly are, are occupied with your basic needs. Um, and as we learned last week with Jackson, the scarcity mindset is not just limited to money. Um, although that seems to be, a, you know, a common way in which we experience it. It can be in relationships. It can happen in diet culture and weight loss. It can happen with our time, in our work, in parenthood. Um, sometimes we can maybe see um, someone else getting married. And we wonder, like, will it ever be our turn? And it feels like a lack for us. Um, sometimes it, you know, we might be married and, and we long for a child. But maybe infertility or miscarriages have been your story. And it feels painful. It feels like, like a lack. Sometimes we are strapped with time. And we wonder if we will ever have a second to sleep or have a conversation with a friend. These are the people that avoid the Sabbath teachings. I guarantee you, we have so many teachings on the Sabbath, right? And those are the people that are like, yeah, that sounds great. It sounds great to have a day where we rest, but how? How am I ever going to do that? And so you feel the scarcity mindset of, will there ever be enough time? Um, this is real talk, y'all. These are painful things. These are really hard things. Um, so it's not just about money. This is not just, oh, I, I don't get to get Starbucks every day or I don't get my favorite pair of shoes. These are things that are, are real-life situations. And so our body, because it's, you know, it's, it's actually considered a, a, a form of anxiety, our body can kind of go in fight-or-flight mode um, where God designed us to have that when there's real danger. Um, our cortisol levels spike, our bodies work in overtime in response to the danger, and our mind takes a back seat until the threat is gone. So it's like we can't even think clearly um, when we feel like there's a lack. Um, it occupies our thoughts. Um, and so it, our minds just take the back seat. And let me just take a little side note, too, um, because many of us are not um, truly um, stuck in poverty, um, thankfully. Um, but for our brothers and sisters in real poverty and with real lack, we need to have tremendous compassion because their bodies and their minds are in constant survival mode. And we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus because they can't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ if their bellies are empty and their feet are bare. So for those people, um, we, need to, we need to first meet their needs and meet their physical needs so that their mind can then receive the truth of, of Jesus. I just wanted to make sure to include that in there. But more often than not, what we have is a perceived lack 
um, and not, or maybe it's a trauma from a previous lack that we had before, but it's a perceived lack, and that can still just as easily rob us of our joy. Um, So what I'm going to do, I just wanted to just point that out, that it that a scarcity mindset can be very real. Um, but we have a generous God, and he wants to free us from that. He wants to free us from the bondage of that. So I'm going to show you this short video from the Bible Project. Um, it is five minutes, but it is, the pro- it's, it's amazing. Like, the way that they, the way he describes, I don't know, have you ever heard of the Bible Project before? The way he describes this is incredible. So let's turn our attention to the screens. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world, under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity, and so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance, and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs, and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. 
He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. So good, right? I feel like I could just like put my mic down and be done. So good. But we're going to unpack it a little bit more than that. Um, so the first point that I have tonight is defeating the lie that there's not enough for me. They, they talked about that a little, in the, um, a little in the video, and it really is a lie because just like it says, Jesus came and he became poor so that we might become rich, right? Not rich in the financial sense. No, you guys are going to go look at your bank accounts after this. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. But I'm saying we have an abundant life with Christ. He came so that we could live an abundant life with him. And so it really is a lie. Um, we have to defeat the lie with the weapon we were given, and that's the word of God. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the word, but I'm going to be all over the place. So I'll tell you where we are, but then you might not have time to get there. Um, so we're going to start in Luke chapter 11. And I'm just going to read the beginning of this um, passage. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. It goes on to say, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. 
So if you sinful people know, to ha- know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So that was chocked full of Jesus literally telling us to ask for what we need. He says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, that we are to come to him, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, be persistent, just like that neighbor at the door. He wants us to keep coming to him. Um, And then it further explains the, the character of the father by saying, if we who are sinful delight in giving good gifts to our children, how much more, how much more will the father lavishly provide for us? So this is kind of the first time I'm using my title, but when our hands are open, we are able to receive all the good things that God has for us. Many times we don't even trust him enough to ask for it. But when our hands are open, we can receive, we can receive the gifts that God has for us. If we jump to Matthew 6, um, this also was referred to in the video. Um, It's one of my favorite passages. Matthew 6, 25, starting at 25. It says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? At the beginning of this passage, before, because um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to read too much because I have so much to share with you. But before all of that, he talks about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's not denying that we have basic needs. He's not denying that we, that we you know, come to him and ask him for the things that we need. But he's saying, be careful what you treasure um, because it can literally enslave us. Jesus provides for the flowers and the birds and that much more he will provide for us. So keep an open hand. Don't cling to the things of this world, but keep an open hand. Be willing to, to um, trust that God has the best for you. Um, and not worry all the time um, about what is going on around you, but just trust that God, God is going to provide what you need. If we jump to Mark, um, Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17, this is the story of the rich young ruler. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And before I go on, like, do you see what Jesus did there? Only God is good. He's like, are you calling me God? You know, do you really, do you know who I am? Then the man replied, teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I love that line. Jesus felt genuine love for this man. Um, 
Sorry, I lost my spot. Okay, there is still one thing that you haven't done, he told them. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So this is, this is so often the case. This is so sad that we, we treasure, again, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That man treasured his things. He, he knew this was God. He was, you know, claiming that he knew that this was God, that he was good. But yet he was so afraid to lose what he had that he couldn't gain all that he had to gain by following Jesus. When our hands are open, we not only have the ability to receive, but we are able to let go of the things we have and trust that God has our provision in a different and better way. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the image of um, the little boy with a tiny little teddy bear. He's got a tiny little teddy bear, and Jesus is holding out his hand, asking for the child to give the teddy bear to Jesus. And be, meanwhile, Jesus has a big, giant teddy bear behind his back to give, to give to the kid. And I think, you know, obviously it's a faulty image, but I love it because I, we never know what God has that's better for us if we just let go and allow him and trust him with the things in our lives. Um, if we clasp our hands too tightly around the things of this world, we will be disappointed. And in the end, we will miss the blessings that God has for us. In the Psalms, and this was hard for me because some of you all know my story and you know what I've walked through. I've been through some things. This was a hard verse for me to grapple with. But in the Psalms, it says, no good thing does he withhold from us. And so... I had to cling to that, that nothing that is truly good for us will God ever withhold from us. And we may not always understand that. There may be some things that we want. We may be some things that are good in general that we don't get. But if it's good for us and it's best for us, God will not withhold it. And we have to trust him. We have to trust him. And that's my next point. Trusting God and the promises that follow that. Just like we look, back, look to God's word to defeat the lie, there is not enough for me. We also need to look back on our lives and recall his faithfulness. I've talked a lot about the gratitude journal that I keep. I love to look back and see all that God has done and just remember all the ways that he's been faithful or even a prayer journal and then writing next to it like the answers to those prayers. Um, when I'm struggling to see today where God's hand is, I can look back at a few yesterdays where his hand has faithfully saw me through. So trusting God is critical for our freedom from scarcity mentality. Almost every scripture verse that has to do with trusting God is attached to a promise. It's almost like an if-then clause, and we don't like that because we always think, well, isn't, aren't God's promises for me? Like, isn't his love and his promises and all that unconditional? But it's not. It's really not. I mean, even salvation, if you look at that, we have to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. There is a step that we have to take. And so I want to take a look at a couple of the promises attached to trusting God. The first one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And here's the promise. And he will show you what path to take. I really believe with all my heart, we miss the path when we don't trust him. That's the promise. But the part, our part is to trust in the Lord with all our heart. We have to lean on him. 
The next one, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord is the eternal rock, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Perfect peace, but we have to trust. We have to trust. And I know there's a, a favorite hymn of mine that says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." And at the end it says, "'Oh, for grace to trust you more.'" So believe me, I know it's an ebb and flow. It's like, I trust you. I'm trying to trust you more. I trust you. I'm trying to trust you more. So it's, it's a dance. It's not, we'll never get it right all the time. But you get peace when you trust him. Next one, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Proverbs 29, 25. Ooh, people pleasing. I'm guilty. I'm so guilty. But when we when we when we fear people, it is it, it is a trap for our souls. But when we trust God, we are safe. Next one, those who know your name trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Psalms 9:10. God will not abandon you. If you seek him, you will find him. Trust him. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Psalm 32.10. God's unfailing love will always surround you. Trust in him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13, he will fill you with joy and peace completely, and you will overflow with confident hope. Man, I want that. I want that all day, every day. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Give me all the, give me all the joy and the peace. And then this is one of my favorites because this just shows what an abundant God we have in every season of our lives. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep in the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. They never stop producing fruit, even in a drought, even in a hard season. When you trust in the Lord and your roots are way down deep in him, it doesn't matter this season. You never stop producing the fruit. You are blessed. That's abundance. So, my, so open hands, when we keep our hands open, we can receive the promises of God. We can receive the promises of God. So, so far we've, we've seen that with our open hands we can receive what we ask of him. We can let go of the things of this world and we can receive the promises of God. And so my final point tonight is living a generous and abundant life. God designed us to live a generous and abundant life and not one of scarcity. And we can see that from the verse in Jeremiah that God is a God of abundance and Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief, which is Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. When we talk about defeating the lie of there is not enough for me, that is a huge lie, huge lie that the enemy wants us to be enslaved to. Think about it. If we are constantly paralyzed in fear, then we will look at everyone else as a threat 
to taking things from us, lacking in love and generosity, and certainly not trusting the giver of every perfect gift. Even now we can see it in like the political wars and all of the things that we're constantly fighting over in social media or just just all this stuff, even within the church, we are so afraid. We are so afraid and we're enslaved to that fear. But Jesus instead says, why are you afraid, beloved? I give you everything you need. More than that, I give you abundance because I love you and I want you to share that with others. Trust me. Trust me. So we don't have to live in fear or division, but we can have our hands open to the provider and the giver of it all. He owns it all. He owns it all. And whether that's relationships or time or money or whatever you're feeling like, will there ever be enough for me? God is the giver of all of that. And he loves you. That's the good news. He loves you. He's for you and not against you. And he will not withhold anything that is good for you from you. Again, this is not to say that we won't fall on hard times because I've seen, I've seen many, many of hard times in my life. But just like it says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. In 2 Corinthians 9, I think Brian touched on this verse too, but it's so good I had to bring it back. Um, it says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God desires for his people to be generous and to share with those in needs. Our time, our talents, our money, our resources, our relationships— so as we close, I want to invite you to this life of freedom because I feel like a scarcity mindset can actually be one of the greatest traps and possibly even be a huge culprit to our mental health crisis. Because when we feel like there's not enough for me, when I feel like I'm left out, when I feel like I, I don't, you know, and I'm, I'm holding tight I'm holding tight. I'm clinging tight. I'm trying to control it. I'm trying to see if I can somehow pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and, and gain control of this ever-spiraling world. It is a trap, and it is enslaving, and God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. He wants you to remember whose child you are and the inheritance you have in him. And when we're free, from that mindset, we can generously love and give to others because we're not afraid. We don't feel threatened that someone's going to take from us because we know the giver of every good and perfect gift. So I invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable with it. And I want you to hold your hands open for me. Just hold them open and surrender. And if you're comfortable saying this with, saying this with me, say, Jesus, you are more than enough. And you have more than enough for me.
when our hands are open, we can freely receive and we can freely give because the giver has no lack. He has no lack. God, we love you and we trust you completely with our provision in every area of our lives. And God, will we lack trust when we have trouble trusting you, Lord, I pray that we would um, ask again for your help in that area and that we would again open our hands to you. God, we know that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. We want to be a generous people. Help us not to be afraid. Heal our hearts of trauma and brokenness that maybe caused this fear and help us to give it over to you. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.